0: Welcome to Playing With Fire, the podcast for people who are ready to custom build their love.
1: We're talking about non-monogamy, however you design it, as an individuation opportunity.
0: Want to leave the default and make your life spectacularly you? You're in the right place. Let's talk about veto power.
1: That's fun.
0: Doesn't it sound fun? Veto power is, um, it's a hot button topic in the non-monogamy world, but we're going to talk about it.
1: It's definitely worth talking about it. I've had some experience.
0: You've got got some experience with veto power. Yep. Okay. Um, You have some funny stories around veto power, or I think they're funny from my perspective.
1: Well, the thing is, from this perspective, they are funny. They didn't feel funny at the time.
0: I appreciate that you can find humor in your suffering later. Uh, I don't know. Was it suffering?
1: It's hard to say.
0: You made it look like suffering. I made everything
1: look like suffering back then. but.
0: So veto power, what is is it? What is veto power, right? Um, So in in the context of a non-monogamous relationship, veto power is when there is either implicit or explicit, let me say that all again, when there's implicit or explicit expectation that one person can change either the structure, intensity, or existence of their partner's other relationship.
1: Okay. Yes. There we go.
0: I say implicit and explicit because sometimes people just like they just imagine, like, if you're starting off in non monogamy and you're coming out of a monogamous mindset, as we've talked about so frequently, we tend to like bring all of our monogamous conditioning right. and all of our monogamous ideals and our ideas of what is appropriate in relationships into our non-monogamy. I know I did. And then we try to solve the problems that come up in non-monogamy with from that mindset, from that perspective. So then we're inside the monogamous paradigm, inside a non-monogamous relationship.
1: And as I understand it, monogamy comes with veto power, which isn't even like it, it doesn't rest in either not, of the people. It rests in the marriage, in the monogamous yeah. contract.
0: Or in the culture at large. Culture right? at like,
1: large. And like the you, idea you is no nope.
0: sign your veto. Yeah. Yeah. You pre-sign yeah. your veto that we will forsake all others. In other words, we will we will turn all of our attention away. We will. I, the, I think we looked up the etymology of forsake and the closest word was abandon. We will abandon all others, which honestly, when you put it that way, it doesn't sound very healthy. Uh, like that sounds problematic. Cultural
1: abandonment. Uh, abandoning everybody abandoning,
0: else, like friends, and I'd like it—it it sounds potentially problematic. But imagining that you have worked past the the monogamous perspective enough to say, "Well, I I do. I want to have some non monogamous connections," and um, often people keep veto power going, right? So this this veto power, it might be that there's an explicit commitment that you make to each other that says this relationship is a priori. It is, it is top priority. It is the, it, it is the one and all other relationships are subject to this relationships needs. Okay. Sometimes it's explicit, but sometimes it's implicit where it's just that we, like we come in from that monogamous mindset and we just assume that if as we're starting new relationships, like, well, yeah, but of course, like, you know, when we said at the beginning this wouldn't change anything, we'd still care about each other. And right. that so obviously if I have a problem with someone you're seeing, you'll end it with them. Or you'll de-escalate with them, or you'll you'll change the the labels you use or the or the structure right?
1: Right. So, so uh, one way of, of ending up with that is you bring it in from the monogamous culture, like not even on purpose, like without, yeah, just, um, because
0: it's part of the default setting. Cause
1: it's part of the default setting. You don't even, uh, review it. You don't even, uh, go back and revisit it. You just bring it in.
0: And then it well, sounds perfectly reasonable. There's a degree yeah. to which it sounds reasonable because if you're, if you're basically practicing monogamy, but you're having sex with other people, then yeah, that might be one of the very first things you say to each other is like, yes, but nothing will really change. I'm just going to use this person as a prop or as a as a, a live sex doll. Like, OK, there is so much to unpack in those statements because that is not OK. If you're going as a to person. As as a person, that's a human actual
1: person. So.
0: I don't even want you treating sex workers that way. So if you're thinking like, well, if I paid them, no, that's not a workaround. We treat all the humans as humans. It's please. Humans, Thank you. They're humans. So. You were good. I cut you off though, because I just, I get so riled up around the idea that we, we might think that this is the natural and normal setting when it is, it's, it is not, it, it's just a yeah. cultural norm.
1: Yeah. It's a cultural norm. It's not a natural norm like built into us in any way. Um, Yeah. So where I was headed is you might accidentally or unintentionally bring it into uh, a non-monogamous context. Um, but then you might on purpose, right. Bring it in. So what are some of the reasons that someone might intentionally, uh, negotiate, ask for, or just expect veto power?
0: Right. I think the idea that we will f- be or feel safer if we have veto power is right at the heart, right? Like it, Okay. it's easy to, it's very easy for me to feel compassion for that. Like it, uh, at a surface level read, like a plain text read of that feels like, yes, I would be safer. But it's it's not real. It is definitely, it's it's not just problematic. It's also not real protection.
1: No, it's not.
0: Because if you're in a consensual relationship of any kind, monogamous, non-monogamous, if you are in a consent-based relationship, in other words, if if you do not force your partner to um never leave you no matter what you do to them, right it, In other words, it, it, as long as you if you're not abusing your partner and you understand that in fact they have the right to end the relationship, then it doesn't actually provide you more safety because it, it gives you the illusion of more safety but what it also provides is the potential for so much resentment and hostility.
1: And um, it's just occurring to me now as I'm thinking through it. Yeah, there's there's a lot of resentment that can, can come up from that, and um, parents who are listening to this, uh, parents of older children, maybe even some younger children. So I'm just imagining, as a father, I have a 14 year old child who wants to start doing something, anything. Pick a hobby. Pick a friend. Like this is this is what I want to do, and I say no they're going to be so energized to go do that thing or be friends with that person. If what I do is I just put up a wall and I just say an absolute, no, they're going to be so attracted to that. So it's not only does it not actually provide the safety, it can actually backfire pretty impressively. Yeah.
0: And it does. So it wakes up all of our childlike and adolescent parts frequently. Mm -hmm. Um, and when we're making our like if you're intentionally building in a veto policy often it's because you don't want to have other more nuanced conversations about how do i seek safety how do i feel safe in this relationship how safe am i at all mm-hmm. like it you may be hoping that that the veto policy itself like I, having that sense of control will provide you a sense of lived safety unfortunately how i see it play out is that is illusory, as well as potentially damaging to all of your relationships. And it's it's also this is a good time for us also to talk about what couple privilege is. Uh, yeah,
1: I think it it flows right into that.
0: Yeah. So, um, what's your understanding of couple privilege? I usually
1: my understanding of couples privilege is um and this can be explicit or implicit explicit or implicit it can be stated or not or it can be completely unconscious or can be like yes we are a couple and therefore and here's the therefore therefore the the there like the the sacrosanct nature of this relationship means that it comes before any other relationships we might have so if you were to go and um go on a date, for that matter, go be a friend to somebody, and I feel that it is changing the nature of our relationship, I can say, oh, hey, don't do that. But it's actually more complicated than that too because the two of us together could just unconsciously or subconsciously, like pre-thinking, just assume, yeah, we have to protect this relationship.
0: Right? We have to
1: prioritize this relationship
0: in the face of even really
1: Mm -hmm.
0: like an outcry of need from another place. So let's I will
1: absolutely deal with that need as soon as I have dealt with the needs over here
0: or the wants or the the slight
1: implication that
0: maybe there's of it. Yeah. So I want to get a little bit more basic with couple privilege because couple privilege is baked right into our cultural milieu, right? Couple privilege is the fact that every, every part of this society I live in the United States it privileges the couple right there are tax advantages there are legal advantages there are housing advantages there are so many advantages for the couple and that's for the couple over non monogamous relationship configurations but also for the couple over singles yeah. and so couple privilege is 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 yes is what you were talking about the um all the ways that i may privilege and and prioritize my couplehood and there is a baseline societal privileging of couplehood that is makes it in, almost impossible to, to see all the ways that our couplehood, I mean, we have a couplehood, we do. Will, will potentially create um, inequity and even harm to anyone else that we interact with um, relationally. In other words, it has to do with power. It
1: has to do <laughs> with power, and so, yeah. Um, well, veto power.
0: Yeah, I and mean, we—it's we, it's right in—it's it's right, right in the her, name. Her, yeah,
1: and that kind of. Um, okay, cue the the Jung quote about power and love. Uh now there are
0: one of my favorites. Where there is love, there uh, where there is a will to power, there will be no love. The two are. And then he goes on to say basically mutually exclusive opposites. Right. They are inverts of each other.
1: Um, and love is a very, very fertile ground for psychological growth. Um, in my experience, which tells me that this kind of veto power can block growth. You want to talk about a little about that?
0: I think that uh, that's a great point because it, um, a veto is designed to curtail discomfort, but often our growing edges are uncomfortable, mm-hmm. right? So if I am uncomfortable because you're going out on a date right now, or because you've asked to restructure some part of our relating based on a new relationship that you've made or a long-term relationship that now you're like, oh, now I would mm-hmm. like to, if i if i can't allow myself to experience that discomfort and instead i exercise um this this veto this no then i miss out on having a conversation with you that actually lets you know what my my yeah. actual needs and mm-hmm. fears are it it misses me getting to know what it is that you're seeking what are you trying to create for yourself yeah those are all really valuable um moments in not just our connection as relating dyad, but also for me, like if, if my relationships are a place where I am practicing my individuation, my, my psychological growth, then I have to be with the uncomfortable nature of, Ooh, this is not what I expected.
1: Yeah. That, um, when you said that, uh, it gets in, what did, how did you say you said, um, it can get in the way of the discomfort and i heard you starting to say that and i thought you were going to say discussion yeah which is like it's the same th- it's right, it different not- aspects of the same thing it might not be uncomfortable but it would it eliminates the discussion in which both of us would learn something about each of us you would learn about yourself because i might ask questions you're like oh why am i having this relationship with this other person why am i interested oh all of a sudden i learn about myself and so do i
0: it also eliminates the opportunity to actually negotiate And, Mm. and because they're, anytime someone tells me that they, they like, you know, unilaterally vetoed a, uh, you know, one of their metamors um, that's a partner of your partner. If, if you veto that relationship, I'm always super curious, like, Ooh, um, did you, did you negotiate about the actual relationship that you want? Because now what you've probably got on your hands is a partner who's sad, mad, sad, mad, resentful, a a whole host of emotions. And you didn't have these discussions and that might have allowed you to co-create something that neither one of you would have thought of alone. Because maybe what you needed wasn't so much for this relationship Mm -hmm. to go away, maybe what they came and asked for. So if you come and you say, so I don't, I don't want to live here anymore. I want to go live with someone else. And I say, Nope, you have to end that relationship. I mean, that's a pretty, that's That's a, a, that's a big change. Well, I missed out on the whole negotiating part where I say, wait, what are you, okay. What are you looking to get? Is there something going on here that could shift? Is there, could we, could we negotiate about how else that might look? That isn't just this either or, because again, a lot of times we're in that either or mentality. And so Negotiation is the lifeblood of an, an ongoing consensual relationship of any type. And I don't want to miss out on those conversations, but I might if I if I use veto power because it it's simpler. And that happens, I find, in in any relationship where the priority has been keeping things like smooth, if we if we want to keep things like stable and steady and easy, and relationships shouldn't be work, great big air quotes there. Um, then Oh, you've done that. You've lived that.
1: I have lived that.
0: You you've had veto power a couple of times in your life, haven't you?
1: I have. Um, and it it didn't work out on several levels. Um,
0: did you miss negotiating on, on,
1: I did miss negotiating, um,
0: the first time. Around. And I
1: will say that the first time around, um, I didn't lay down the veto. I didn't say, no, this will stop. I did say, would you stop? Uh, and, and first of all, let me say that I asked for the wrong thing.
0: Well, that's what I mean about the negotiating. Yeah. Like, so you asked for your partner to stop, um, having sex with someone else, yep. but
1: it wasn't actually the thing they- I cared about. <laughs> I just missed asking for the right thing.
0: Well, that makes sense. Cause what was the thing you actually wanted?
1: I wanted, attention for myself I wanted time what kind of attention
0: I'm guessing you also wanted a touch and sexual contact I
1: love that so so, yeah that's but
0: but that's something you really struggle to ask for or have you don't anymore really or I don't think you do um but you have really struggled to ask for it so it makes sense that that you would have
1: and the reason I didn't jump right to it is that it wasn't all I was asking for either it wasn't all I wanted what I wanted um was because what I found was my my partner wasn't home when I wanted them home. And it wasn't just to have sex with it was also to do the things we had been doing in the evenings after work, watching movies, eating ice cream, we didn't do a lot of really exciting things. But at the time, that was what home felt like. And then I didn't get it. Right. Um, And I didn't but I didn't ask for it. I mean, just just because they weren't having sex with their partner doesn't mean they were going to be with me i didn't ask for that
0: right
1: so uh in that in, in so reflect, you undermine
0: your own undermine my
1: needs. own actual needs which is um something veto power can very easily do
0: yeah and yeah. i appreciate that you know you you didn't lay down the law as it were but also um it didn't result in you getting any of that th- because because yeah. that partner did not stop having sex with their other partner. Yeah, they just and that was telling you That about was the it.
1: other way that this didn't work <laughs> like, is they were like, okay. And then,
0: and then they did did
1: they anyway. Did. Yeah. It just
0: kept it out of your face. So but you had more of a don't. And, and at that point you basically shifted into a don't ask, don't tell relationship because
1: I didn't know that, but that's what we had done. Which is yeah.
0: ironic though, because I, I think that a lot of us imagine that we would never set ourselves up for the kind of relationship we wind up not ironic it's just yeah, so common it's
1: common
0: um but then i was in a relationship with you and i found out that you had a veto clause in your relationship like the veto could be exercised over me
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and that was that, that that goes into my you know top top 20 worst days the day i figured out that yeah oh my like i've rewritten my whole life for you and i can be told to go away at any moment oh that was a hard moment that
1: is a crappy moment
0: um and and i think one of the hardest parts for me was realizing that the two of you never even discussed it
1: right and which
0: it was just like
1: was built, built into in. the
0: assumption of your of your relationship based on again i think this like the structure even though you weren't you weren't actively monogamous but like
1: but it's this other aspect of couples privilege but and and couples privilege i get this mental picture of okay so these two people get to make a bunch of like rules and they get to prioritize and make a bunch of things happen when in fact um it also is that the relationship of those two people holds a bunch of weight and priority and and the relationship becomes
0: like a third person yeah in the room like its own entity and it literally does like legally speaking the marriage forms it's almost like it forms a little mini corporation. Yep. Oh you now you have this unit. That's that's its own whole thing.
1: You even have to register for married status. (laughs) Very much a corporation type thing. And um and one of the ways that I can feel that from here is I remember what it felt like to feel like I was getting vetoed by the relationship I was in, because these were all my choices. I got to do whatever I wanted to do. And I had already had experiences with my partner. I felt the veto my partner, Uh, even
0: though it was technically about like, you had a partner who believed that they could veto my relating to you like, like, okay, you come back to her and I, I go away. But you felt like the relationship itself was also able to veto you.
1: And the reason that I felt that is that I had this, uh, this sense of justice where, okay, so my partner had already had sex with somebody and had for, for years, had this, this other relationship. And then I'd had that, you know, would you please not have sex? And then they did. So I had, I could have had this justice thing of, well, sauce for the goose is sauce for the gander. My turn. (laughs) I get to now. But I wouldn't even hold that up for myself because I felt this, the couplehood enforcing something, not my partner, my partner, I could have like been like, "Yeah, this doesn't make sense. But the couple, but the marriage, but um, the marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And then I just buckled.
0: And that's where you and I got into a bunch of conversations because when I became aware of it. It was an awkward moment for me because you and I had bought a house together at that point.
1: Yeah.
0: It was really awkward because I was like, wait, so we bought a house together. It would, longer story. If you haven't heard our ridiculous whole story yet. You, we don't, like, have, time like, for yeah, we don't right have time for, now, for but... that But sum it up. Um, all three of us were living together and you and I wound up buying the house together and she didn't want to buy the house with us. So you were married and I bought the house with you. And now I, there was veto power that I found out could be exercised over me, I'm like, so cool. Who gets the house then? Because <laughs> now there's another legal entanglement, and I'm yeah. like, oh, that is a really interesting is... question. And I know most people's stories won't be that ridiculously complex, but I don't. I also have heard other but stories that are really right.
1: complicated.
0: And and what it boiled down to was we didn't have agreements. Yep. We had assumptions.
1: And this is so um, the veto, which avoids discussions that could lead to agreements. Um, it is the opposite of connecting. It's actually yeah. isolating. It provo- it creates walls between us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And And, then, and
0: and then there are so many other ways that veto power can be problematic. I I don't have a lot to recommend for it. So if you're, if you're waiting for me to flip this and be like, and it's also wicked good if I don't, don't
1: have anything in that direction. I
0: don't either. I, because here's the other thing. I'm a jealousy researcher. Unfortunately, veto powers seem from the, uh, from the many, many, many interviews I have done and then coded, um, Veto power tends to increase a sense of ownership. It tends to increase the senses, the sensation and feelings of jealousy. It tends to increase monitoring behaviors and a sense that I get to monitor your, your use of technology and what's going on in the rest of your life. It tends to, at the same time, increase a sense of control without actually increasing the se- the ac- the actual amount of control you have, unless you're going to abuse someone and say, hey, you can't leave me. Like we said before, like we all get to change our minds and change our relationships and that's how divorces happen. And so increasing the sense, the felt sense of control isn't the same as increasing your actual, like, no, nothing could change. I am safe from this. Um, it also it decreases a sense of actual connection. And, and like you said, and it helps us not practice the skills. Like a lot of non-monogamy is skills. It's skill building. How do I have um, the conversations that I need to have? How do I make the repairs that I need to make? How do I navigate extricating my myself from the mono mind and from all of that? How do I do that? And yeah, it doesn't have a lot going for it, and it has a lot of drawbacks. Um, so, so that said, you might have a veto power clause in your relationship right now, and
1: and if you're listening and saying, okay, maybe maybe I want to change this, maybe we want to not have this. Yeah, what do we do?
0: I think there are two. There are two things that stand out big to me. The first is making it visible. If if you've got an implicit veto power, um, <laughs> if you simply make it explicit and say, you know what, I think we've been operating under the idea that we have this this thing called veto power in our relationship, and okay, let's make that visible. What are the ramifications of that? What do I think it's hmm. getting me? And then do a real just do a pro cons list. What does it actually get you versus what it feels like it will get yeah. you? Um, So make those implicit veto powers visible and also making it clear to yourself that all of your decisions and choices in your relationships are yours. They're all yours as the individual, your, your relationship, your, your, whether you're married or whether you're just in a committed relationship, right. And you there, there it is. It doesn't have rights of its own, Um, okay. Then that means those rights belong to the individuals in the relationship. That also means the responsibilities belong to the individuals in the relationships, the decisions belong. And one of the ways that I struggled deeply with you, when you had this, this veto power in a relationship that profoundly impacted my life, my children's lives was that you kept like you kept disowning the idea that you actually got a say in this. You kept putting, oh, yeah. you I yourself would, kept like yeah. putting it off on like, well, but I'm married and well, but it's over here. And yeah. you wouldn't take responsibility yep. for the fact that you were day by day agreeing to reinforce that idea. And it left me in a very precarious position, but also it left you not practicing agency and autonomy oh, and
1: like maturity.
0: Yep. like And yep. I, I believe that that's what at the end of the day that's what led to the dissolution of that triad was that you just you wouldn't stand there and say this is me these are the decisions I made I make.
1: would not I would not take responsibility for anything and I wouldn't take responsibility for what flavor of ice cream to get
0: Oh that's true Yeah pick you, a thing
1: no I was not doing that at the time you know.
0: I'm very I excited to do for that you. Now. <laughs> Um
1: but we still well I still have to practice. And one of the things that I noticed in talking about veto power, one of the things that it does, and you said it, is it uh, it avoids practicing the skills of successful relating, the conversations, the negotiation, the generation of agreements. It just skips all that.
0: Which means it also skips out on building the trust. Mm -hmm. Right, Because the the trust comes from the day-by-day actions and watching your partner make decisions, taking multiple seemingly incompatible positions into account and making decisions for themselves and taking ownership and responsibility for those decisions. And those watching that happen, that's how you build the trust that you actually want. But if we're avoiding that, then we're avoiding so much of the yummy, awesome parts of growing up, growing ourselves up inside these complex relationship structures.
1: So I have a, a metaphor.
0: Okay. So love a good metaphor.
1: Um, the, the, um, the relationship escalator is also already being used, but I'm going to use the escalator metaphor again, but not for Okay. That.
0: Not Amy Graham's. Nope. Not, the, no, not that
1: but, escalator. So you could, this is the veto power escalator. You can just get on the escalator and let it carry you to where it goes, or you can take the stairs and practice the work of going up yourself. Mm-hmm. The thing is they don't lead to the same place. The stairs lead to more connection and the, it, the, uh, escalator goes somewhere completely different. Yeah. They don't go to the same place, but the escalator is easier in the moment for you. Right. And then you get to the top.
0: It's an escalator nowhere. It's like nowhere. in the sense Like your partner's like not the there.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's. Yeah.
0: It's I'm not I'm,
1: great at metaphors but that's what came up.
0: Well, I appreciate I appreciate the the reminder that these these two paths they really do diverge. Mm-hmm. If you've had veto power in your relationship, it's never too late to unpack that and say, "Okay, let's do something different." When you know better, do better. That's that's fine. Like when you mm-hmm. figure out like, "Oh, that's that was like maybe those were your training wheels." And now you're ready to say, okay, let's let's do this. Let's actually have those conversations. It's not unusual to not know what to do next. I mean, that, I think that's about 90% of what I do in my private work, in my group work, is what are the skills that you need to have these really explicit, nuanced conversations and to do the repair and and figure out how do I do this with my specific people? And then, how do I have the skills to do this as my people change? That's the work we do. That in year of opening, we yeah,
1: right. But that is the work, the, it's the practice of these things that the that the veto uh, doesn't end run around. And I have one more suggestion for if you if you are somebody who um, is in a relationship where there is veto power and and it comes up, something comes up, and there's a no, like the veto just like comes out. That's fine. Revisit it like, oh, um, so, okay. That was my initial gut reaction. Right. So Now let's have the conversation. It's okay to have that like reactive no. And then having expressed it, move into the conversations afterward. They might be a little harder because of that. No, but it's still there. The opportunity is still there. So
0: the opportunity is there to say, wait, that was me reacting from my monogamous mindset where I was exercising veto power. And I missed out on connecting to you. Let's try it again. I used to give my kids do-overs, I don't know, 150 times. There are seven of them. So it was
1: a lot of do-overs.
0: 150 do-overs a day. Um,
1: But we give each other do-overs in our relationship. Oh my gosh, all the time. We are not perfect people.
0: Right. Oh, uh, yeah. (laughs) At all. Not even in this hour.
1: Not Um, even right now.
0: So- I appreciate this conversation and I know that it can be a really tender one for a lot of people, because if you've been relying on veto power, you might now have fallen into a place where either you, well, maybe you've already thrown your phone at the wall or just totally clicked the unfollow button and been like, no, I'm never listening to Jolie and Ken ever Mm -hmm. again. Um, But if you're still with us and you're feeling bad about your choices or you're realizing now that you may have already vetoed people and you're in your life um, and you're feeling bad, well, that's what repair skills are for, right? Like we can't fix it, but perhaps we can do some repair um, and some, some adjustments and then help other people understand that we're, we're in our growing process and we're actually doing our growth work, um, which means acting differently, not just saying, oh, I have this new idea, but also acting differently. And
1: if you're having trouble um, finding the, the internal stuff to get yourself changing those actions find people who can help you
0: yeah so Year of opening is a great place to do that um but find your local community whatever get yourself surrounded by people who aren't just approaching non-monogamy in that one way um because if that is the normalized standard in your community then it's going to be hard to see past it
1: and i want to say too that this isn't just a non-monogamy thing um you're in a monogamous relationship. This stuff can come up in, outside of the domains that you have already explicitly agreed. You know, we're we're um, uh, what's the word? We're closed in these ways. And in, uh, but if you have had an like an expansive no, and now you're revisiting the idea and you're having trouble having the conversation. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Talk to people. Yeah. Find your friends. Find your people.
0: Mm, yummy. Okay. Till next time, everybody. Take good care of yourself. Take good care of each other. There's no one right way to design your relationship. And lots of people, actually about 25%, according to a recent national survey, are interested in some type of open relationship. But how do you know if you are ready to open up happily? Not everyone is, and that's no problem. I've got a 60 second quiz that will give you the answer. And even better, you'll walk away with your next step, whether you're good to go or not so much when it comes to opening up. And this is no Buzzfeed nonsense. I personally designed this quiz from my years of academic research. Go to joliequiz.com. that's J-O-L-I-Q-U-I-Z.com, and find out if you're ready to open up happily, and what to do if you are, or if you're not.